Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to A Thousand Tiny Steps. In this podcast, I share my stories of love, loss, triumphs, and tragedy as I continue to trace my steps backward and ponder what led to the death of my daughter, Molly. If you're ready to laugh, cry, shake your head in disbelief, or simply listen, and tie, buckle, slip on, or lace up your shoes, and join me as we begin our A Thousand Tiny Steps. Hi, everybody. Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to episode 104 of A Thousand Tiny Steps. So I start off today with a whole lot of stuff going through my mind, which I guess is typical for Barb Higgins, right? I'm always thinking about a million things. But I've had two or three experiences in the last two or three days that that just stick with me and sort of give me pause and make me think. So the first thing that I'll talk about is, you know, self-image and body awareness, which, you know, if you're a woman, especially in Well, I think in any culture, in any society, whether you're told to cover up or whether you're told to flaunt or whether you're, whatever you're told, I think girls and women spend a lot of time bemoaning their body and what it looks like. And so as a longtime CrossFit athlete, one of the things I've always liked about CrossFit is there is no ideal CrossFit body. CrossFit has so many factions to it that one body type wouldn't cover every single thing you have to do in the CrossFit world. So one of the things about CrossFit and its philosophy is that the workouts are constantly varied, which means you're not always running, you're not always jumping, you're not always throwing, you're not always lifting, you're not doing the same thing all the time. The constantly varied is very, very literal in the CrossFit philosophy. Typical workouts have different combinations of different movements. You could go a whole year and not do the same workout. And so what happens is some workouts absolutely favor one type of athlete and some workouts absolutely favor another. So I've always liked this about CrossFit. And I've always said that the one place it's okay to have big thighs and a big ass is a CrossFit gym because female CrossFit athletes with really big thighs and really big butts, strong muscle, like, oh my gosh, they can lift, lift weights like nobody's business and they can power through things. They're, they're good on the rower and the bike because they have those strong legs. And so they have these giant quads, all the oxygen that they can hold as they do these hard workouts. I'm often envious of, of ample-thighed women because they're strong and they can lift a lot of weights. Then you have bodies like mine. I'm a complete runner. I have this long, sinewy body, long legs, long arms, short torso, and I have an amazing set of lungs. I have an amazing engine. I'm really good at things that require core strength, that require the ability to hurt for a long time. And mentally, coming from the running background, I love the workouts that are long and arduous and you just have to keep going. My growth and development and success in CrossFit comes off of a very big sort of general fitness body, which is helpful in a sport like CrossFit because you do a million things. So it's not like it's all one thing or another. But if I had to choose an area in CrossFit that I struggle at, it would be the weightlifting. Not that I'm not good at it, not that I can't execute the lifts, but it takes me a long time to build heavy weights. I, don't, I can't lift as much as other people. I'm not a strength lifter. And then the Olympic lifts, the clean and jerk and the snatch, require a lot of shoulder mobility that I have yet to dedicate myself to having. So that would be a struggle for me there. I often would remark with Gracie when we would work out together, give me a 20-minute workout and I'll, and I'll kick Gracie's butt. A five-minute couplet where you're doing two movements as fast as you can for five minutes, she creams me. It's just power versus strength. It's, it's all at once fast versus slow and parceled out over time. And so the CrossFit reality is fun that way. I talked about a CrossFit competition I did on my birthday. 
And a friend of mine from my other, from CrossFit Amesbury, Harry came, and he had never seen a CrossFit competition. And one of our biggest conversations was that there was no ideal CrossFit body that when the podium time came and you saw the women that placed in the different, in the different events and the different age groups, there would be big women, there would be small women, tall women, short women, that none of us would look alike, that we all bring to CrossFit our strengths and our weaknesses. And so this past weekend, I was in a two-day CrossFit competition at Amoskeg in Bedford, the Amoskeg Classic. And Justina and I were in the same group. We were in the same group last year as well, the Open Scale Division. So Justina is much more of an open-scaled athlete than I am because she's 33 and she's in the open division, right? Which goes up to 40. So at 60, I could be in the in the great granny division, but they don't have these divisions. And so I have to compete against athletes half my age or more. I always sort of go into these competitions knowing, okay, well, I have to take into account that I'm old enough to be the, the mother of every single person I'm competing against, give or take. Justina comes into these competitions worrying about her build. Justina's not small. She carries a lot of weight in her thighs and her butt and her belly. So she has all this weight in the middle of her body. She is as strong as the day is long and agile. She has a dancing and a cheerleading background. So she can move very, very fluidly, which is super helpful in weight training. And she trains like, like nobody's business. But we both came into the competition focused on our weaknesses, hoping we didn't come in last, hoping we placed well in some of the events, leaning towards the events we liked, not leaning towards the events we didn't like. And at the end of the competition, I was 10th and she was 11th, but we were only a handful of points apart. And in reality, I sort of feel like we tied. She got a fourth place, I got a fourth place. She got a fifth place, I got a fifth place. She had a 12th place, I had a 12th place. There were 13 competitors out of 14 in our division. Neither of us wanted to finish last in the competition and neither of us did. Both of us had singular goals. I say I came close to my goals. I didn't achieve them. Justina's goals were to, to conquer a rope climb and a wall walk. Rope climbs and wall walks are moves that I have. I mean, they're not easy for me, but I can do them without a problem. I didn't even worry about them. The snatch workout, I lost sleepover. That's an Olympic lift that's hard for me. So not surprisingly, Justina got fourth and fifth in the weightlifting, and I got fourth and fifth in the running and the long chipper workout. Both of us shown where we were strong, and both of us were not so shiny where we were weak. But it just got me to thinking about how much time women spend worrying about themselves and little girls and teenage girls. You know, and I can go on and on and be redundant about anorexia, body image, and, you know, all that sort of stuff. There's a song, I Know Victoria's Secret. I Know Victoria's Secret. She's an old maid who lives in Ohio. How can you be so skinny that you can wear a size zero and have 38D boobs? Well, a lot of plastic surgery and Photoshop is how you can, how you can look like that. But hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars get spent at Victoria's Secret by women that want to look beautiful in underwear, right? None of us look like that. Maybe a handful of us do, but not really. The song really resonated with me because it lets girls off the hook. You know, you don't have to look a certain way to be attractive. And the way that you can find ways to feel attractive are to look at your body, the body in which you live, and look at activities and things that, that you are suited to doing in that body. Each sport has different builds that are ideal. I have the ideal runner's body. No boobs, narrow hips, long muscles, you know, great lungs. Justina would not make a good marathon runner. She goes out and runs. She, she puts in the work, but running will never be a strength for her. She just doesn't have a body that's made to run. 
she has a body that is ideal for weightlifting. And so in the CrossFit gym, each of us have a place that we can sit in. And we get to surround ourselves with women that look all different ways. And if there was ever a lesson that I feel young people could have, it would be a CrossFit gym around finding your strength and your inner, your inner value as it's evidenced through your body. Parents need to raise their children to feel good about themselves, all the while having empathy and humility. But bottom line, all your years on the planet, you will spend inside your body. If you believe that you have a soul, your body is your soul house. If you believe that you're just an essence, then your body is your essence house. If you believe that you are your body, then you are your body. And the body that you have is the one you have the whole time you're alive on the planet. So it would be logical to take care of it and to appreciate it and show it gratitude. I have really ugly feet. I have nasty bunions. I have crooked toes that overlap. I've had several surgeries on my left foot, slightly less on my right foot. They're awful. I can't wiggle my toes. I don't like taking my shoes off anymore. I don't like being barefoot because my, my feet are just so heinous. But I have a new practice now, and it might sound hokey, but I sit down and I wash my feet every night. And I take a nice warm washcloth and I just wash my feet and I put lotion on them and I put little toe spacers on and I put this goopy stuff on my calluses and I put socks on. I'm kind to my feet and I thank them. Thank you for carrying me every day. Thank you for running so fast I had a full scholarship. Thank you for all the years I danced on you. Thank you for all the years I ran on you. Like I just acknowledge and thank my feet. Foot washing is a major piece of a lot of religious practice around prayers. There are certain prayers that you don't say until you've performed your daily ablutions and your daily ablutions are washing up. And part of washing up in many cultures is washing your feet. Now, some of this could just be help, especially if you live in a culture where people are barefoot. You don't wanna be outside on a dirty street and then come into your house with your dirty feet. So lots and lots of cultures have, you know, you step into the water and step onto a mat before you walk into the house. Are my feet any healthier because I thank them? No, but what it does is it shifts my mindset. So I stopped insulting my feet because I find them ugly. My feet are amazing. I am unbelievably lucky that I can do all that I can do on the feet I have. I try to show gratitude there. One of the things that I think is important in raising boys and girls, not just with all of the gender norms that are going on now and, and these expectations we put on penis bodies and vagina bodies because they have the penis and the vagina. I think sometimes that that needs to be for men and women to have true equity and equality in the world. We have to stop not only assigning certain things as only belonging to vaginas or penises, but also we have to stop judging or leveling them. Like, oh, strength is much more important than tenderness, you know, like, oh, being sentimental is a detriment. Being emotional is bad. Being strong and tough is good. We live in a society, you know, I hate to say it, but it's very patriarchal. And sometimes there's not anything wrong with a patriarchal aspect of society. There are times that traditional male leadership is a good thing, but there are times that it isn't. And there are times that female leadership is a good thing. While I don't think we need to disappear the genders, I don't think women need to disappear or men need to disappear. I think what needs to disappear is the judgment and the value that we place on on qualities and physical attributes that we assign to vagina bodies and penis bodies, if that makes sense, to women and to men. So when I think of all this and I think of, about our culture and how, how we're really struggling to find our way sometimes in our political strife and all the judging and name calling and everything that goes on, what I love about CrossFit as a sport and as a lifestyle is that 
I often say there is no room for assholes in a CrossFit gym. You can't be a jerk and last in a CrossFit gym because the community, the sense of community is so big that if somebody's being a jerk, everyone's going to rally around the group and call the jerk out. Like, what's going on here? You know, this is helpful to the class. It's not like you have to give yourself up, oh, sacrifice for the greater good. No, 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 no. But it's being part of a working unit. And I really, really like that. And for me, I see so much of that in a CrossFit competition. Yes, we all want to win. Yes, I'm competitive as heck when I'm next to my competitor in a workout and I know that she's five reps ahead of me. I'm going to do everything I can to catch up to her. Or if I'm five reps ahead of her, I'm going to do everything I can to not let her pass me. But at the end of the day, if she's the winner, you know, I'm going to congratulate her. I'm going to be happy for her. I'm going to be grateful that I had the opportunity to compete against somebody like that. And then I'm going to go home and train harder. So I beat her next time, right? Or not even that I beat her, that I win next time. That element of competition is very, very prevalent in CrossFit. It's also prevalent in track and field. Some sports can be very competitive in a very negative way because they're violent and they're, and they're a bit pushy. When you look at anthropological history, it was the men in caveman time that went out and killed the tigers and, and fought other people to protect their community. And it was a, the job of the women to work together as a community, to feed and protect the children and to provide for the hunter gatherers when they came back. So there was no, there was no judgment there. One couldn't exist without the other. You know, that the men couldn't live without the women, the women couldn't live without the men. And all together, they had a workable community. Native American culture is very much this way. There was a, I think it was a podcast I was listening to. And in the Native American culture, it's called having two souls, being a two soul. And a two soul is somebody who is a male or a female body wise, but also exhibits huge qualities of the opposite gender. So a really perhaps feminine, tender, empathetic male or a strong tomboyish female, and they're called two souls and they're revered. And oftentimes in Native American culture, two souls are given jobs that don't match their gender. For example, a, a female who is a two soul might go out and hunt because that's where that two soul feels comfortable and powerful and does a good job. Whereas a two souled male might assist in the, in the raising of the children and the teaching of the children and the preparing of the food. And there's no value judgment there. There's no issue with gender roles and sexuality and all of that. There's places for them. That just stuck with me. And, and of course, I relate everything back to my own reality. And my reality is I'm pushing the envelope all the time. You know, have a baby at 57. Don't tell me I can't. That sort of thing. So at the CrossFit competition, the last two that I've been at, I've just been really mindful and noticing how we interact with each other and how we live in our bodies. And this whole idea that you can have five women and one can be 5'2 and 150 pounds and one can be 5'11 and 150 pounds and one can be 5'6 and 130 pounds and one can be you know, 5'8 and 210 pounds, like not match at all and compete and finish very closely at the end of a CrossFit competition. We all get our place to shine. CrossFit truly creates a place for everybody. So why am I talking about this in a podcast? Well, I had another thing happen to me that was pretty intense. I coach at a gym called Battle CrossFit. As the summer winds down, one of their coaches, Ryan, will head back to college. And so I'll take over, I'll retake over those seven o'clock in the morning, Tuesday, Thursday classes. And there's another class he teaches, which is for people who are sort of 60 and over. And it's really around functional fitness. The work he puts together for these people is phenomenal. So I went to shadow the class. Two wonderful women, Loretta and Helen, and a guy named Bob, 
everybody did the same thing. Everybody had the same warm up. Everyone had squats. Everyone had step ups. But there were three stations, and each person was doing it differently. So Helen has a cane that she relies on more emotionally than necessary now. And she needs a lot of support in standing up and sitting down. So everything she did, she had a band that she could hold on to, or she had the rig, or she had a much lower box. Her workout was her way. And then you had Loretta who could do it much differently. And then you had Bob who could do it much differently. So they're all doing the same things at their level. The stimulus is the same. So I'm taking notes and I'm, and I'm just really, really thinking about the fact that these workouts twice a week will keep all of them out of the nursing home. It will keep all of them being able to have independence, to get off the toilet, to get up if they fall, even if all they can do is crawl across the floor to get help. They're not going to fail because their bodies aren't strong enough to keep them mobile and alive. I love this. So Ryan, one of the owner's sons, so Ryan at age 22 or 23 was teaching this group of older people and he is amazing at it. Nick, the other son, was also on duty that day and he was teaching a CrossFit kids class. So we had three people in their 70s and 80s and then we had five children probably between the ages of nine and 12. Nick is absolutely engaging these kids. He had them doing little relay races and he had them carrying things and weightlifting and and lining up right next to each other and they're on their hands and knees passing a kettlebell back and forth. And then they had to balance something on their back and do it. They were having a blast. And I stood back for a minute and, and a couple of things crossed my mind. The first was back to CrossFit is for everybody. You had people in their 80s and you had people who weren't even teenagers yet in the same gym doing the same types of activities, squatting and picking things up and lying down and getting up and stepping up on things and lifting things and having fun and laughing and interacting with their coach. And the coaches, 22-year-old and 24-year-old-ish, Ryan and Nick, two young, very attractive men that could be out doing a million other things, are devoting their lives to working with people that they really have nothing in common with. You know, Nick isn't a small child anymore, and, and Ryan isn't an old woman, right? And the insight and empathy and, and support with which they present these activities, it just got me a bit teary-eyed. But it brought me back to what I love about sports like CrossFit, or I call it a sport, but it's just, it's a lifestyle choice. It's a workout plan. Is that here was a gym with two men in their 20s teaching groups of people that were not yet teenagers, were old enough to be grandmothers and great-grandmothers. And all the people in that facility were happy. It was amazing to me. And it just, it just reminded me of, of what I like about it. And, it. and it sort of eased my mind a little bit because, you know, I'm definitely somebody that, you know, can feel not so great about myself, right? And just, and just sort of feel bad about what's going on with me. And, you know, I've hated my body for a long time because, because of all the mistakes. I can tell myself I hate myself a hundred times a day. Those things were going through my mind. CrossFit competition, watching Ryan and Nick teach the youngest of the young and the oldest of the old the same things that all of us in the body in which we live can do things to make it move, to make it better, to make it stronger, to make it not hurt so much. I don't know. It was just an eye-opening. It just made me feel good. And it reminded me, of course, of Molly a little bit and how it's important that we find our people. That was theater and music and dance for Molly and Gracie. That's where their people were. When Molly died, Gracie got into the, into the CrossFit realm and she really has found her people here as well. It's just stayed with me and, it, and it's gotten me to thinking about so many other things. The next piece of, the, of Barb's weekend around finding a place for everybody 
is a little bit less related to fitness and more related to people that we connect with and who understand our reality. So I have this amazing, you know, group of friends and people that I've met since Molly's death. You know, I always talk about how CrossFit has saved me and made me feel accepted and that I can maintain a purpose. And, and if it wasn't for my CrossFit community, I'm not sure what would have happened to me. And I say that too about Gracie. But I also feel that the universe guides us to people and, and drives us into situations that we're supposed to be in. So one of the hardest parts about dealing with child loss is change. And do I want to change? And how do I feel about change? And so we live in our same house and a lot of our house still looks exactly like it did when Molly was here. And we like it that way because it's familiar and it looks the same. And so it reminds us that she was here. But our kitchen is ancient. It really needs to be done over. It needed to be done over when we moved in here. And we've lived here now 23 years and have not done anything to the kitchen. One of the most wonderful people that I've met in my life is Taylor, Taylor Simpson. Taylor owns a floor shop now in Portsmouth called Designs by Taylor, I believe. It's on 1000 Woodbury Ave. It's been a floor shop forever and she took it over. It's wonderful. And she's a creative, wonderful person. And I met her because she owned a store named Barry called The Nest. And I walked in there once and we, and we got chatting and we both share child loss. And it was just one of those things we just clicked. And she's connected to and knows a lot of the people that I've now met in my time in Amesbury. She knows my friend Lisa and she knows Lisa's best friend, Linda, and she knows Susan. And, you know, she knows a lot of the people I know. And so we have these amazing conversations and, and I never, ever don't learn when I talk to Taylor. So I had Taylor and her significant other, Mark, come to my house several months ago, actually the end of last summer, like a year ago, to talk about doing over our kitchen. They came and they looked at it. So they decided sort of as a couple that it was too much that they couldn't take it on. It was too far away and all this. So Kenny and I just sat on it like, nope, okay, it's not time. Along with her shop and she's feeling better, Taylor, Taylor suffered from an, a stroke, just about killed her. And it's been enough time now that she can look at it as a blessing. Like that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it redefines how you live on her Facebook page that she was getting back into doing interior design again. So I messaged her and I said, me, my kitchen, it's time. And so I trust her implicitly. And so she said, all right, I have a cabinet guy. Do you have a contractor? And I said, no, I need you to recommend one. She came today with her cabinet maker. We've started the process of redoing our kitchen. So part of me, I have a big knot in my stomach. Change is difficult, right? Part of me is so unbelievably, utterly excited. I'm just so excited. So what does this have to do with, there's a place for everybody in CrossFit. And there's no ideal body. I guess a lot of how I feel about everything in my life relates to living in grief to every day waking up without Molly and every day struggling to know how do I fit in and who am I and why am I here? And when I can sit with Kenny and talk to somebody about something as tender as our kitchen, the kitchen that we sat in for all those years with Gracie and Molly, the kitchen that we sat in numb after Molly died. You know, when I look at pictures of Molly, everything is in the same place. Nothing's changed in that kitchen. You know, it's a big change, but we look at what's coming and we look at the conversation. So if you were a fly on the wall, you have the cabinet guy, who's an older guy, probably in his 50s. Then you have Kenny, who's you know 68, me, who's 60, Taylor, who's 50. All of us look completely different. And we're sitting in a, in a kitchen, the four of us, and sharing amazing conversation, each of us bringing into the project our perspective, our losses, our gains, you know, Taylor would say, no, we decided this. And I would say, well, I'm not sure. And then we'd have a conversation and we'd come around to whatever made sense. It was just an amazing, amazing visit. 
So is it related to the CrossFit competition? I guess not. I guess it probably isn't. But but it gave me the same sense of belonging. It gave me the same sense of, you know, I'm doing okay here and I'm making gains here and I'm moving along here. You know, I just felt good about it. I just, I'm sitting here now. She's just left, which is why I think I'm talking about her. I coached a CrossFit class at noon today. I had a wonderful time coaching it. Again, some super elite athletes and some very, very, very novice level athletes, all able to do this amazing workout and laugh together and joke around together and spend a day improving their health and their wellness. What's coming up next for me? This is, <laughs> here's my thing. So Kenny's off tomorrow to fly to North Carolina for his niece's wedding. His sister, Bobby, her daughter, Casey, is getting married. So that'd be Jack's cousin. There's no kids about at the wedding. It's one of those sort of very structured ceremonies, which is fine. It's not my wedding. So I chose not to go. Jack and I will stay here with Gracie. Off Kenny goes. And then Gracie is going to Disney to audition for a performing role, a parade performer, which is her ideal. It's like a holiday thing. So what am I doing now? <laughs> Gracie, Jack, and I are going to fly to Orlando. We're going to spend Saturday, Sunday, Monday in Orlando at a resort that has all sorts of things that Jack and I can play on, kiddie pools and water slides and all this kind of stuff. Gracie can relax. We can settle in. We can have fun. She can do our audition on Sunday. We don't fly back till Monday night, which means we have Monday morning to head over to Magic Kingdom and say hello to Mickey. Just an exciting sort of trip. Book-wise, we have the final cover all done. And so now the next step of the book is creating it. So Virginia's going to get a box with actual books in it. So I'm, I'm a bit... <laughs> I'm a bit nervous about it because it'll be very real to me, but I'm very excited. And I think in the next couple of episodes, I'm going to read a little bit from the book so you can hear, hear it and see if it's something you'd like to, to buy. And the Molly B Foundation website is coming along. I had a wonderful visit with Judy today, my web designer, and things are just falling into place. Now, I have to be clear here. Typically in my life, whenever everything is great, I do something to fuck it up. And it's such a typical trauma response. And for me... It comes from those years when, when I was still being actively sexually abused and it, months would go by sometimes between abuse episodes. And so I would get relaxed and I'd stop being vigilant and everything would be good and I'd start to feel happy again. And sure enough, then I would get abused again. So of course I blamed myself like, oh, it's because I'm happy. And so my pattern in life is to decimate what's going well. So I am going to invoke all my CrossFit listeners to send me positive vibes <laughs> It's okay for me to be happy and it's okay for me to be successful. Today I'm at day 47 of 75 hard and I'm still following my diet and I'm feeling pretty good about all that. So I'm just invoking stillness and I'm, and I'm invoking calm and I'm invoking self-worth and I'm invoking the fact that skinny six-year-old me can hang out with solid 33-year-old Justina and share success at a CrossFit competition. That 60-year-old me can coach in a CrossFit gym and I can be words of wisdom to the older people my age and to the children and to everyone in between. That you don't have to be a muscle-bound 28-year-old guy to be a good weightlifting coach. You don't. You can be grandma and do those things, right? You know, that's where I'm at right now. I have a lot coming up and future episodes will be a bit more meaty. I'll have some more guests. So at any rate, I hope that, you know, it's a cloudy, it's a cloudy, August 16th for me right now. This will come out at the end of August. I hope that whatever you're doing right now, you're happy and well. And I hope that when you find happiness and joy that you don't sabotage it like I do. <laughs> I know, it's just one of those things. Be good to yourself. Always be good to yourself. Be good to someone else. And as always, 
Have a good day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and for supporting the podcast. Feel free to leave a review and to share my stories with your friends. Please reach out with your own stories. I love connecting with my listeners. If you want to see what I'm up to next, you can find me on Instagram at barb underscore 444, on Facebook as Barb Higgins, and at my website, a thousandtinysteps.com. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, a weekly way to find out what's up in the life of Barb Higgins.